Hello and welcome to Thought Architecture, and this is the first recording for it. So a little bit of a quick note, uh, just a, a quick welcome to everyone. Uh, and the, the idea is the purpose of this entire series is coming down to my own personal motivation for what can I contribute to the world and how to help people the most. And there's a lot of things like skills and there's a lot of knowledge out there that can help people develop and grow. Uh, the one thing that I find is going to be the overarching perspective, the, the thing that encompasses everything, is really how well have you arranged all the information in your head to make sense of the world around you. And that's what this entire focus is inside this, uh, this, this blog, these audio notes, and yeah, all the work that's going to be contained herein. So there's going to be some curated content uh, thoughts and opinions on stuff, as well as um, some instructional content, as well as some of my own personal content, of course. So, without further ado, let's get into it. As Virgil said to Dante, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, as he read from the, the sign above the gates to the inferno, which is quite interesting. So, if you're familiar with this, it's, it's basically the idea that Dante's Inferno is the first third of the Divine Comedy written in the, th the 14th century in 1325, I believe it was, by an Italian man from Florence. And, you know, if you're not familiar with it, the first part he goes through hell and he's taken on a tour of hell. The second part is purgatory and the third part is paradise. Now, he explores all these kinds of themes in there and everything. It was very interesting. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, number one, I appreciate a little bit of classics, you know, a little bit of like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, like um, what he did was he actually mixed a lot of uh, Greek and Roman mythology into stuff. So like uh, Cerebrus or Cerebus, as you prefer, the three-headed dog uh, that is the uh, guardian to the gates of Hades in mythology and Roman and Greek mythology is actually present inside, you know, Roman Catholic a depiction of hell which is quite interesting so there, there's a lot of mixtures and it, it's quite interesting and i like that kind of stuff but the reason why i'm actually getting into this is because recently i watched the uh the manga the anime version so it's japanese style animation of dante's inferno specifically just the first one and they updated it so instead of you know this phil uh, philosophical guy kind of going through hell being led by a poet it's more like they remade him to be a crusader. And as a crusader, he was going through hell and actually fighting demons and things like that. So it's very much macho and kill everything. And very interesting indeed, because beneath that, that, that veneer of machismo was actually a very interesting point that I think wasn't present in the original text. Um, and I mean, if you're a, if you're, somewhat of a student of the text please reach out to me i'd love to have this conversation with you and find out more um but from what i could depict from all my kind of little exploration of the themes of dante's inferno i actually didn't see this so the main point or like the big 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 difference is that in the movie they try to provide a character arc for the main character dante and so they did this by um presenting dante with all his sins and he had to kind of come to terms with each one of his sins in each of the circles of hell, in each of the layers of hell, in order to move forward. And so it gave me a lot of ideas about personal growth, 
as well as self-development. And I think one of the biggest ones that's been presented to me recently, and you can see the links, um, you know, in the in the notes of this uh, of this audio, um, it comes from Spiral Dynamics. Now, if you're familiar, Spiral Dynamics is like a psychological model to understand groups of people as well as how people think, like what are the models of their thoughts. So it starts off with the basic stuff like I need to survive to uh, the group needs to survive to, you know, I am the most powerful person in the group to our group needs order, structure, balance and harmony to I will ignore the rules to be able to push the group further with science and my my own personal ambitions will exceed the rules of the group to, you know, making um, science-based rules about the group and about the community and about equality. And so it goes in these different levels and they have different colors and they have different themes. But basically each one of these levels have a, has a different reason and a different motivation for self-development. And I think that that's the more interesting point is like, what is the purpose of self-growth? And a lot of people that I know that I have conversations with, the the growth is really like, well, the avoidance of pain in the future, perhaps the seeking of benefits. Oh, I want to grow. Why? Because it means I'm more spiritual. I can be more valued by a group if I'm seen as more spiritual. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. But the idea is you can identify very quickly why a person wants to do any kind of development work. Like why go to university? Oh, my mom and my dad told me to do this course versus, oh, I want to become a rich person versus oh, I know that becoming a doctor, an architect, a lawyer, etc., has the potential to help loads of people who can't help themselves. So we can kind of classify people in accordance with these things because it's very easy to see these motivations. And of course, let's remember the fantastic mental model that nothing is absolute, that there are percentages, let's say, of all of these motivations inside all of us. They're not in opposition. It's not like I'm taking... 100% and saying 50-50, so these two things work against each other. It's more just like uh, a sound or lighting mixing board where I can turn each one of these motivations up to 10 from zero. And so which one is the greatest motivator for most people would be, okay, what color light is going to be the brightest light that we can see. So if I turn the white light up to one, the red light up to two, but the orange light all the way up to 10, obviously orange is going to be a dominant color. So Understanding, number one, our motivations are mixed. Number two, our motivations can actually be from different sources. And they come from these different layers in the spiral dynamics of protection. Am I looking out to survive myself? You know, do I want the survival of my tribe? Do I want power to feel powerful and to be the most important, most valued member of the tribe, to feel valued? To then go on to this idea of, You know, well, we need to create a system that's better and harmonious and fair for the tribe as well. So it goes through all these different levels and eventually it gets to a level called turquoise. And turquoise's motivation is basically the idea of I grow for the benefit of others. I grow to benefit um, other people. I grow to benefit the world around me. I grow to benefit Um, holistic systems and all of this is of course in context so let's let's go to the 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 back to the idea of the reasons for motivation now if we think about our world today how many people have you met 
where there are reasons to to get into spirituality, self-development, you know, the the growth circles were based on fashion and acceptance into the group. Uh, were based on power plays. For example, they wanted to be seen as a leader in these spiritual circles. I'm evolved, I'm enlightened, come to me, I will give you the answers. And how many people are motivated because they're like, well, you know, I don't have pleasure in my life, so I'm coming here to find something so that I can feel better about my life or I can avoid this feeling of loneliness and emptiness inside me. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of these types of things that we can find in spirituality as well. So one of the major ones that's a great indicator is the divisiveness of people. And this is a fantastic way to be able to determine motivation in people. This idea of I am growing because I'm better than you. I need to separate myself from you because you're toxic for me. You know, there's nothing wrong with this. But there's a very big difference between people who are interested in self-growth for these reasons versus people who are interested in self-growth to be able to, I don't know, quote unquote, help the toxic people. You know, so there are, there are very big motivational differences between these two people. And so their attitudes towards us and them is a very big deal. So that's what we can look at as well. So if we go back... Uh, Let's, let me quickly dive back into Dante's Inferno and particularly what I was enjoying about it. So like, like I said, the old versus the new. The new one, they updated him to be like this super Rambo type with like a Grim Reaper's scythe, you know, running around hell, chopping up demons and stuff and conquering each layer's guardians and things like that. And it was, it was very interesting. And the overarching plot was that the devil had made a bet with his the love of his life Beatrice or Beatrice and the devil had basically said he will betray you and of course when Beatrice was on her deathbed um, Dante found that she was murdered and he came to her side and she said did you betray me and he said of course not and that's the beginning of the movie and the devil then captures her soul and says you lied to her and he's like no I didn't he was adamant that he hadn't betrayed her he hadn't betrayed his promise to um, forego any kind of sexual relations with women until he returned from the Crusades. He had promised to be devout in his love for her. There was all this kind of stuff. And further down the road, like the devil kind of shows him all of his sins and shows him and confronts him with all of the evil things that he did in the Crusades and all of the the negatives that happened as a result of his actions and the results of like the sins of man and things like that and you know that's par for the course in this type of thing where we're playing on the old you know monotheistic uh, judeo-christian beliefs of you know good versus evil right versus wrong etc um, and you know it's fun it's a good 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 watch good movie but i think the main point that really caught my attention was the idea that Dante had to be confronted with his sins and move through them. Very interesting. He had to be confronted with the worst parts of himself and accept them and forgive himself, forgive others who kind of did wrong by him and resolve his feelings about these things as well. 
so that they couldn't get to him anymore and he was stronger for it. And one of the major themes in this is this idea that you redeem yourself. You, you have to move through level upon level or layer upon layer and strip it away, kind of like onion or um, as you come in from a winter's day, taking off first your jacket. You don't take off your underwear first. You take off your jacket first and then you take off, you know, your sweater and then you take off the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. And so you don't you don't take off, you know, that which is layered underneath first. So there's a progressive, uh, a progressive, I wanted to say a progressive overload. There's a progression to this type of thing. And it's very interesting. And I think the second point on this after the progression um, is the idea that um, going going for this type of growth, um, you know, he believed that he was absolved of sin before his crusade, which is the belief in a doctrine, that the doctrine is right about everything. So, you know, before he went on the crusade, he was absolved of all sins, absolved of everything. He was given permission in the name of God to kill the the people, the heretics that didn't believe in Christ as the Savior, etc. And he, of course, he went and committed atrocities in the name of God in the crusades. And when he was in hell, he started seeing other crusaders that were there and realizing that um, the doctrine of the church versus divine law are two different things and that no man on earth can actually change the doctrine of divine law. So it comes back to this very simple idea is do not give the responsibility of yourself, your, you know, um, the instruction over you, you to something else. And I find that that's quite interesting today where people throw themselves heart and soul into a belief system, a belief structure that's presented to them. And they start seeing it everywhere and they start believing it everywhere without investigating it further, without asking serious questions. It was unfortunate that Dante had to go into hell to discover this. But, you know, just coming back with this very simple idea of how can we not fall victim to this? And I think in this day and age, if you're listening to this, very simply put, it means that you are in a position where you can dive inwards, where you can look at your feelings and observe what's coming up for you. So emotions are good thermometers is my point. And we'll get to the, the lessons learned later. But the very simple point is this idea of absolute blind faith. And of course, everybody can agree that that's a bad thing. And what does that look like? Well, that looks like people telling you that things are justifiable. That, that looks at people telling you things like it's okay to do this or uh, the worst for me is when people tell you to cut others out of your life. It's very hard to do that. It's very painful to do that. And if you're doing it with a smile on your face because you believe it's for your growth, that's a very, very, very difficult thing to do. To cut others out of your life because they need it for their growth because your presence in their life is somehow enabling them into self-destruction. That's another story. That's another debate. That's another, you know, um, conversation to have, I think, would be the best way to say it. So let's round it back up. <clears throat> so Dante's Inferno had all these interesting themes as well. And I think what I found very interesting as well was that 
anytime that he was presented with someone, he was also shown to pity them, to understand that their issues, their, their mistakes, their particular situations was not necessarily fault of their own, but like very much as a reaction to their environment and the situation that they were presented with. So, um, you know, crusaders and taught to pity the crusaders because they were um, in hell largely because of following someone else's orders and committing atrocities and you know at the behest of others and so well what would you do you risk you risk dying in that case you risk being beheaded as a deserter for example in those types of cases where actually you know a lot of the context is given where mm, you know it's not as easy to kind of stand up for this type of thing and it comes back to this what are you willing to die for what are you willing to give up your life for? And if it's easier to to live, to go along with someone, then, you know, we're taught, you know, oh, well, that just means that you're not a strong person. Well, actually, you know, it's very difficult to say no in certain situations. And uh, it's not right or wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to say is that on Dante's path, he was shown the contexts of these people who committed these sins from what, for whatever reason. I think a great example of this is going to be where he enters limbo, where they call them the virtuous pagans. These pagans are just sitting around in a room. They're not allowed to enter heaven. They don't enter hell. Uh, largely because the, the doctrine or the faith of Christianity had not come around in their time. So they had no reason to believe in God or Jesus or anything like that. They existed before these times. And so as a result, they're stuck in limbo. But they're virtuous people and you know being taught their context you you can't help but pity them like oh you were just born in the wrong place you're still a virtuous person but you are not allowed to enter heaven because of blah 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 so i want to just clarify like right now i'm not a religious person at all but i really enjoyed the the action manga and i love the idea of leveling hell and creating a mythology like this and so that's where i'm coming from with this really and so the the big points about about Dante's Inferno and about growth and spiritual growth that I think we could go through is this uh, this idea of confronting your past when you are strong, you know, have the strength to confront your past. So usually when we're triggered, we're very stressed out. We just want to get back to a non-stressed state. Now, what can we do in those non-stressed states? Well, we can gather our strength. And try and push ourselves with controlled stresses so that the next time we meet those stresses we're not as stressed out we're not as freaked out so we take the time to gather our strength to confront our trauma our past issues okay so we've got this model that actually yes we can just try and stay away from injury pain trauma triggers or we can take the um, the initiative to actually try to find ways to um, expose ourselves slowly, slightly, progressively with things that trigger us, with things that stress us out so that we can grow from that. So I think that's the first step, the first growth-based mindset model that I got from Dante's Inferno. I think the second one is the idea of forgiveness for Dante to move through all these things he has to let go of it and forgive himself and notice these like terrible parts that he participated in 
and deciding that he would not do this again, that this would be an example of how he was misled and he would learn from it. And so it, again, it comes back to this idea of, yes, notice that, learn from it, but learn to, to see it as a positive that allows you to make a decision for the future. And that means that you can get over your own shame, your own embarrassment. And so these emotional thermometers that come up for you, shame, embarrassment, some, something that forces you to kind of uh, either get angry or yourself or move away from the gaze of others. Those are great, great indicators that there's work to be done there. Um, the third and final thing that I said was pretty good is to know your limits to know your limits and to be humble about this. So in, in this uh, Dante's Inferno, you know, action-packed gore fest of him cutting his way through hell to save Beatrice, he also comes upon a couple of times where whatever is there is too much for him. He can't open the doors, to, uh, he can't open the gates of hell. He is not physically strong enough as a man, so he prays to God. Okay. Now, what I'm going to say with this is this idea of knowing your limits, knowing, yes, he is strong and he confronts his fears, his sins, demons, all that kind of stuff. But he also knows when he's like, this is too much for me. I'm going to ask for help. And he humbles himself at this help. So it's not being egotistical, but rather being in his place where you're asking others for help. Whether that those others are going to be people in your community, your friends, your family, there is a big issue and a big shame about not being able to do something for yourself or not being able to do it on your own. So it's a great idea to actually observe where you have these feelings, but maybe even ask other people when they've been ashamed to ask for help or where have they received help in their lives that at the time they were very uncomfortable with, but now they're thankful that they got it. Or where did they... Where do they not ask for help where being older in retrospect, they can look back. You can look back and say, oh, you know what? I should have asked for help in this situation. So in saying all of that, we're coming back. The mental models here are the idea of stress versus controlled stress, right? Uh, ratios of work. Don't just do controlled stresses all the times. Know when you're stressed. Know when you're in a period of rest and gathering strength. Know when you're in a period of pushing your boundaries and learning your limits and developing strength, okay? And it comes back down again to the harmony of the world. People are different and people are suffering different fates at the moment of their own creation, not because they're dumb or they haven't chosen to grow, but mainly because that's what the situation calls for. That's their way of surviving. That's a way that they can um, make themselves feel valued worthwhile etc it's not it's not the cleanest let's say burning energy it's the coal equivalent of uh, let's say motivation or self-growth but it's still there and they have to go through it layer by layer to kind of purify their energy their motivation um, and if you're at this point where you're listening to this uh, chances are that you're coming from this from one of three places which is number one is um you are coming through this to the growth of yourself so that you can uh, get more things, you know, avoid more issues, more trauma in your life, but also achieve more. Uh, number two, you're coming at this from a place of growing, um, but without sacrificing others, you're growing for yourself to be a better person, to be more valuable to yourself as well. 
And then the third point is to be valuable to others, to help the world around you grow. So remember that there is a world out there where there's, there's at least three genocides going on currently in Africa right now. And if you're not aware of it, like what's happening, why is that going on? Just understand that even access to the Internet is something that only 40% of a billion people in Africa have access to. And even then, the total makeup of the world's Internet by you know, people in Africa is something like 2%, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a very small minority of people in Africa actually have access to the Internet. And so it comes back to this place of if you are lucky enough to have access to these types of things, sure, live your life. There's no obligation for you to help others. But to be able to go through this means that you're able to raise a generation of people who are better, be it through communities, your own families, friends, etc. But the idea that we can... Um, Perhaps be a little utopian, a little bit idealistic, but just get to a place where um, where we can help humanity become a better species as well. So I think finishing on this idea of basing your growth as well on emotional awareness and what I call the emotional thermometers is a great way to start. So I hope that helped you. Um, let me know, you know, throw me a comment or send me a private message. Um, what did you think of this? Um, you know, I'm looking for ideas of what kind of content you would like to see as well, what kind of curated content you would like to see. Um, I'm just using this uh, as a point to push mental models. Um, I will eventually start adding other things as well. But for now, I hope you enjoyed it. A little bit of a thought-provoking audio. Um, I will add all the links to the notes as well but uh, feel free to interact with me i'd love to hear your opinions and until then you know enjoy the process